This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CVV Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah! Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it! It's the best thing going today. Three weeks off, we're back at it. Episode 120, Top Rope Nation, still alive, ladies and gentlemen. Barely had some sickness going around the Top Rope Nation studios, but we're here to break down what's going on in the world of pro wrestling. I think we got a great topic of the week for you this week. My name is Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com. I am joined by Kyle Ross tonight, and like I mentioned, the sickness going around, Justin Joint just infected. Unfortunately, he will not be able to join us tonight. Um, I have been sick pretty much for the last two weeks, including no voice at one point, which is why we weren't putting out the episodes, but I'm fresh. I'm ready to go. Unfortunately, Justin Joint has the sickness now. Kyle, how are you feeling? I'm sick, too. Sick of the WWE. That's for sure. It's not like WWE has been super newsworthy of late, at least with the television product. There's some other things to talk about, which we're going to get into here in the in the news segment in just a minute. But uh, an uninspired product of late. I mean, to me, thank God for AEW, because AEW is keeping me engaged. I look forward to watching that on Wednesday nights. WWE has been rough, to say the least. Are you still digging we're... AEW, Kyle? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's... I don't like know if I like love it, and I'm not going to say, oh, it's completely reinvigorated my passion for this business. But at least it's a wrestling promotion. Like the WWE, we've talked about this before. I don't even know if this is a wrestling promotion anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm just so dis- – we're going to talk about this when we talk about the SmackDown ratings freefall. But like where are the angles? Where is the sense of urgency? Remember a few months ago when – I sort of jokingly hypothesized maybe they're just tanking all summer to set because they're saving everything for the fall for the big SmackDown debut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, again, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I just want to preview. It's like if you're a new viewer, if or it, I should say if you were a new viewer, because it's very clear by the numbers, every casual potential casual viewer has been siphoned off in just two weeks. Like, what was the hook for you to stay? Mm -hmm. You know, like, they're just doing their sort of ho-hum, paint-by-numbers booking for this Crown Jewel card, which we're going to talk about. And then comes Survivor Series, which is the most paint-by-numbers card they do every year. Yeah. 
Like, where's, like, how do you, I guess, you know, if you're a WWE defender, say, well, they did do a major ankle, Cain Velasquez. We'll talk about that a little bit. I don't think that was the answer. Yeah. It just, if you're a casual viewer from WWE or just somebody who wanted to get into wrestling, they gave you absolute jack diddly poo to stay around. And the ratings showed that, quite frankly, the casual audience wasn't interested in jack diddly poo. <laughs> to say the least. Uh, we'll get into those numbers here in just a second. Um, but guys, I do want to say, uh, unfortunately, since we haven't been on the air this month a whole lot, I haven't been able to promote our special we've got going, which is the first time since early in the summer. So I do want to mention again, in case you were not aware, uh, for our Patreon page this month, we are giving away free t-shirts to everyone that signs up at the $5 a month tier. What do you get with that? Well, you get our bonus podcasts that are only available on Patreon. That would be Top Rope Nation Classics. We go back, review old shows. There's a host of them in our archives you can check out. You'll get all the upcoming episodes as well if you sign up. Top Rope Nation Extra, where uh, we review major news stories that break as they happen, as well as uh, pay-per-view reviews of WWE and AEW shows this year. You can check all of those out in the archives those are always a lot of fun so for five bucks you get both of those shows you get access to our show notes each and every week you get a free t-shirt this month from prowrestlingtees.com a soft style property of top rope nation shirt you can check it out and see what it looks like over on our pro wrestling tees store that's prowrestlingtees.com slash top rope nation that's the one we'll be sending out i think it's our best design uh we sent this one out a few months ago to some new subscribers a lot of good pe- a lot of good feedback on that t-shirt um i think it's my favorite one easily that we've put out very comfortable the shirt would cost you 25 dollars on pro wrestling tees you can get it for five bucks until october 31st if you sign up for our patreon page plus you know preview all that bonus content see if you want to stick with us long term or not patreon.com slash top rope nation and we'll include a die cut sticker with our logo on it to send out to you as well. So all of that for five bucks. We'd love your support. We love it. If you just check it out and even just try it out for a month and get the t-shirt for five bucks. So again, patreon.com slash top rope nation. And if you have never heard this podcast before, hit that subscribe button. I think because of the guests we're going to have joining us here in a little bit, we'll probably be uh, in front of some new ears this week. So if you like what we do, you want to catch all of our future episodes would love to have you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever podcasts are found. And even better, leave us that five-star review. It helps us out a lot. So look us up on Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the bottom, hit that five-star. Very simple. And if you really like the show, leave us a written review. We always do read those on the air. So hopefully you enjoy the show tonight and you will uh, come back around for episode 121 next week. So, Kyle, should we take it to In the News? Let's do it. All the latest wrestling news. Get behind the scenes inside a info. At 1-900-909-9900. Calls cross the book 49 per minute. Kids, get your parents' permission. But call right now. All right, in the news this week, uh, I think the big story that I wanted to hit right off the bat, Kyle, and you did as well, uh, Jordan Miles, formerly ACH on the independent scene. Uh, what was this, Sunday morning? This broke uh, quite the story with the t-shirt design. Uh, Jordan Miles is uh, letting everyone know what he thinks about it, no fear at all, and uh, 
definitely in the right on this one. If you didn't see it, uh, WWE released his first T-shirt since uh, joining NXT. Very racist, Kyle. Very racist. Yeah, it is not your average bad WWE T-shirt, is it? No. (laughs) So there were, what, like 50 NXT designs that were released? Yeah, yeah, a lot. Because they have like the custom tees they offer now too, uh, kind of yeah. similar to pro wrestling tees, yeah. where you can like pick the shirt color and all that. Yeah. So, you know, I had a laugh. I couldn't remember if it was you or Justin, who somebody had previously texted me about this, but in our little text thread, you know, when we started talking about this, you know, I can't remember which one of you said, you know, kind of made the line that, you know, this isn't just your normal bad WWE T-shirt design. This is whole new level here. Mm-hmm. Uh so I've got a couple thoughts here, as you might think. Number one, I do not want to hear any, and I haven't heard a lot of this, thankfully, but any of this whining about PC culture, oh, fucking PC culture. This is an objectively offensive T-shirt. No matter what the process was, it is objectively offensive. You know, you could talk about, what you think of Jordan Miles, what you think of WWE. It is an objectively offensive shirt that absolutely never should have seen the light of day. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't think that is a hot take whatsoever. It's terrible. Yeah, I don't really want to, like, describe what it is because even just, like, describing it would sound racist. I mean, It's just big lips, big white teeth. (laughs) It's something, right? I mean, it's right out of, like, a minstrel show or something, you know, like how they would cartoon that. Yeah, this shirt would have, like, you know, again, going back to the fucking PC culture, Twitter, can't say anything more. I hate those people, okay? I had a very ugly discussion with someone over the weekend like that, quite frankly. It still pissed me off, okay? And it's, what, Tuesday right now? But, again, that's a different podcast for a different day. This shirt would have been offensive, you know, by, like, 1983 standards. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it would never be right. But like, if you're sitting around in 1983, like you should like there should be like red flags going up then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is really bad. Yeah. It's... I mean, who could think this is? Who could look at this and be like, "Oh, this is okay." And on that note, this WWE response that they sent out was, you know, I I wrote here in my own personal's laughable. I don't think that's the right term. It was just head scratching. Well, because they, yeah, they said that uh, you know Jordan Miles had approved the design. Well, it depends greatly on how he approved the design. Now, usually in graphic design, uh, from my interactions with graphic designers, like friend of the show Tim, uh, they'll send a design over on a uh, a transparent background, and especially you know for t shirt wise, you can put that on any color t shirt. So if he did approve it, I mean, if it's on a transparent background it wouldn't be as as obvious as when you put it on a black t-shirt with that outline in red with the white letters so i yeah it was they didn't really take responsibility at all apparently triple h was really pushing this design from what jordan said on twitter uh he said his his hands were pretty much tied about this uh he he said it was uncomfortable when he saw it the first time um, so yeah, it's a really, really, uh, messy situation for sure. Okay. So two things. One, let's say he quote unquote approved this t-shirt, meaning that he just saw it in some form said, ah, okay, whatever. Or let's say he saw it and maybe was like, oh my God, and was offended by it. Is he, there's an argument that he's not, what position is he in 
to refuse this thing. Yeah. You know, that's something that needs to be talked about. Mm -hmm. Now, I go back to point one, though, about how it's an objectively offensive shirt. I don't care if he approved it. The powers that be, I mean, anyone with half a brain looks at this finished product and somebody say, this fucking shirt cannot see the light of day. This is horrible. Oh, my God. What were we thinking? Yeah. You know, and it's one of those things I wouldn't even take it back to him. Like, I'd be like, you know, if he asked, where's my shirt? I'd be like, you know, we looked at it. It's it's bad. Like, I wouldn't even, like, mention Like, I would just just have somebody design a shitty shirt that's not objective and, mm-hmm. show, and show it to him. That's, like, how bad it was. And, you know, with the response that WWE sent out where it's like, oh, you know, you approved it, you know, whatever. Shades of the Charlotte Page angle where Reed Flair's name was invoked. Remember that a few years ago? Mm-hmm. Where they absolved, oh, no, that was totally approved by them. Something I've heard is not true, by the way. So <laughs> that made it worse. Like the WWE's response should have been like, you know, total brain fart. We're making a lot of T-shirts. You know, we're going to look into this. Whoever came up with the design, we'll have a talking to. We apologize for anyone who this shirt's offended. It's off the shelf. Not, oh, he approved of it. You know, hey, the black guy approved of it. So why are any of you offended? Yeah, That's basically what their response was. Mm-hmm. Cow dung. Yeah. Horse manure. This is not the first time WWE has released a shirt that had racial connotations. Do you remember that that Sheamus shirt a few years ago? No, I actually don't. Uh, if you're on your computer, look up um, Sheamus Great White T-shirt. They put out a shirt a few years ago uh, that said Great White across the front and this like white glaring logo, which very much looked like a white hood to me the first time I saw it. It's real bad. Um, that was up for sale. I don't. I don't remember a whole lot of people commenting at the time, but I definitely thought it right away that it was <laughs> pretty bad, real bad. You oh see my it? god, that's real bad. That's a real shirt. That was for sale for quite a while from WWE. I mean, who's gonna wear a shirt that says "Great White" on the front to begin with? It, I mean, it looks like you, a hood. If you liked once bitten, twice shy, maybe. But oh. I mean, other than that, I yeah. mean, this. Uh, all right, and then my third point here. And this is maybe the most trivial of them, but I think it's certainly worth mentioning. Just another unforced error for the WWE at a time when they didn't need another one. Yeah. You know, you're a football fan, and I don't want to open wounds about Sunday, certainly. But, you know, I I think your team, you know, uh, certainly has had its fair share of unforced errors this football season, the Chicago Bears. You know, you're watching your team, and they do something stupid. You're like, why, God, why did they do that? And... This is just like, you know, the WWE, they have these sagging ratings, lots of people complaining about the product, tons of unhappy, I'd say employees, but they're independent contractors, as we know. You know, the the talent's not happy, bad storylines. And then you put on a shirt like this. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like just another fire you have to put out at a time when you've got so many other problems. You just do not need to be putting out a T-shirt. That could in any way, um, you know, be construed as racist. Just terrible all around. Speaking of terrible all around, Kyle, SmackDown's ratings on FS1 Friday night. At this rate, the if the trend continues, they will have negative people watching next week. <laughs> so here, here's SmackDown's viewership the last four weeks since they premiered on Fox. October 4th, the debut, 3.8 million. The next week... 2.8 million. 
Uh oh. The next week, two point four million. Uh-oh. Last week on FS1, which, yes, they did switch networks, but they heavily promoted they were switching networks. I mean, if you wanted to watch the show, it wasn't going to be hard to find. It was, on, it was on every single sporting event, NFL and World Series. Yeah. The promotion. 888,000 viewers. Sub 1 million. Not making this up. That's the real number. In fact, you could say AEW Dynamite outdrew SmackDown last week. I know they were on different nights, but uh, AEW. At higher viewership than SmackDown last week. Okay. Let's ask the first question here. Is it fair to call the FS1 number a disaster? Or is, is it, you know, because if you're someone who's going to look to spin this in a positive sense, the WWE person go, oh, it was a different channel. People couldn't find it. Not everyone has FS1. I think it's fair because I, I mean, I expected it to go way down. I was expecting though my way down figure was like double this. I, I thought it would come in around one and a half million or so. Meltzer predicted 1.9. Okay. Yeah. I, I was down to like maybe even one and a half million. So 888,000. I could not believe it when I saw it. Um, and anyone that has streaming TV, by the way, which, you know, is a lot of people these days. I have YouTube TV. It doesn't matter what channel it's on because it, it tracks your viewing history. So when you log into that homepage, like it just shows what's live now and it will just come up SmackDown and you click on it. It's not like you have to seek out the channel. And wasn't, you know, the whole thing with Fox getting WWE and really it's the one thing that is a positive with modern WWE is they have this baseline of people that will watch no matter what. Right. We talked about this. I always bring up the story of SmackDown the night of the Hillary Trump debate, mm-hmm. which was right after the grab by the pussy comment. Pardon mm-hmm. my French. You know, when SmackDown was the second most watched thing on cable and didn't really experience much of a drop in viewership at all, which is really quite astounding when you think about it, that, you know, that this incredibly newsworthy event could be taking place and wrestling fans are still going to watch wrestling. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that's what made it attractive probably to Fox. Well, this number is just like, holy, sh- I mean, is holy shit. <laughs> we paid how much for this franchise? <laughs> yeah. Well, not even from the Fox perspective, but just for me, I saw this and I couldn't believe it because say what you will about the modern wrestling fan base. It's a loyal group. They know what channel it's on, man. I am like stunned that 1.7 million people were confused as to what channel this was on. And I say 1.7 based on, you know, that there's essentially, you know, two to two and a half million. Uh, Maybe my math was a little off there, but like, let's just say 1.2 to 1.7 million um, people that just couldn't figure this thing out. I, I refuse to believe that because, like you said, it was well promoted for yeah. weeks too. It not not just one week; it was promoted for two weeks that mm-hmm. this would be happening, and you knew it would go down. Um, and it was really ill timed from the WWE's perspective because the, the ratings decline. The show has not been good at all. I'll get into that momentarily, but th- this is really bad. Like I, it should not be spun positively whatsoever i mean any wwe product like a first run show doing eight hundred eighty one thousand, 
is horrifying. <laughs> the, um, what is the backstage number? And that's a fucking talk show. And I will say backstage is actually a pretty good show. That that is an entertaining show. I I've enjoyed the two episodes of backstage. Okay, but so what far. did that do? That did like four hundred something K, right? Yeah, something like that. And I don't right. think they expect a big number out of it, but no, it's it's but enjoyable. No, but that's a show intended for like hardcore fans. Yeah. Like casual people are not gonna watch a fucking talk show about WWE. And it's it's in a death time slot. I mean, when it actually starts in November, isn't it like eleven Eastern or something like yeah. that? It's yeah. But, I mean, this is really Horrible. And, and so I've been on vacation for a couple of weeks. And I read, was reading a lot about the, the reaction of the product before I saw it. And I went ahead and watched these shows. And I, I don't know what to even think about the WWE in 2019. Like I said, I, I joked a few months ago, eh, maybe they're just tanking. In the summer, because they're saving all their big angles for the SmackDown debut in the fall. <sighs> Where are they? <laughs> this this doesn't even resemble a pro wrestling show anymore. Like there are pro wrestlers on it, they wrestle, they do do things, but within several weeks, none of the things they did matter. There's nothing to look forward to whatsoever. You know, I mean, what are the big matches on the horizon for this promotion? Mm. I mean, we're, we're done with this draft. I know we haven't even had a chance to talk about the draft on the show because of the illness going around. But it's even worse, I think, than it was the draft earlier in the year when I complained, what are the money matches on these brands? Mm. I mean, please, give me one money match this promotion has. What is your WrestleMania match? That's realistic for this promotion. And, you know, I know a lot of people have problems with that Rovert guy on mm -hmm. Twitter. Mm -hmm. Okay. And maybe he can be an ass sometimes, whatever. I, I think he's can be, he can give you a good take every once in a while. And something he said uh, after two SmackDowns ago, I, I thought was very, very insightful. I want to give people credit. That's why I reference them on Twitter because I don't want to seem like I'm stealing takes off social media. He said, after watching the last, the first three episodes of SmackDown, had really gained an appreciation for the old Saturday night's main events. And it's so true. Because what he's saying is, those shows, say what you will, if it was your brand of wrestling or not, those shows did an outstanding job making it easy for a casual viewer to consume what was going on at that time in the WWF. Mm -hmm. It was so simple. These shows that they've done on SmackDown, like if you're a casual viewer who's just dropped in, you have no idea what's going on. And yeah. you're being given nothing to stay around. Like what's the bit, like they're going to say the big angles came Velasquez. Okay. And we're going to talk about crown jewel here in a little bit too. I've been thinking about this. Came unless if you're a big MMA fan, this means nothing. And arguably, if you're an MMA fan, it doesn't matter because they thumb their noses at wrestling. Yeah. Right? Like Brock Lesnar worked better as a pro wrestler going to UFC than, you know, in terms of attracting new viewers than any former uh, UFC person has done going to WWE. Mm -hmm. And, and UFC has really cooled off 
too in well, recent years. It's just that, but it's just that UFC like kind of has this like, oh well, we're real, we're better than you mentality. You mm-hmm. know, we watch them at you know we watch them fight for real, right? That's the UFC fan thing. They're not going to be interested in this. And Cain Velasquez, his name doesn't mean a lot to the general public. No, he's not. Uh, he's not Conor McGregor, guys. <laughs> I mean, it's, no, yeah, he's not. And he's not that charismatic. He's not either. Ronda Rousey either. No, he's not. Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of just answered my own question here. I meant to ask this. What is the point of doing a celebrity angle? I mean, to bring in casuals, and I don't think this does that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I just don't think the name – me. like, if that was their big fall angle, I mean, remember when I – we what was the pay-per-view? that we read the hell in a cell. And I just was going off about Tried to the, block that one out of your memory. <laughs> yeah. The corporate, the corporate mentality of the booking where you read, you, if I were to just read the thought process behind the booking, it sounds good. But when you watch it, you're like, this isn't good. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, it's that stuff. Good in theory, not in practice. It's like, okay, we've got Brock Lesnar, the former UFC champ, big pay-per-view draw for him, you know, great athlete, whatever. And we're going to bring in his former rival from UFC who beat him. That sounds good on paper, right? Yeah. But, like, you watch it and you're like, this isn't good, actually. You know, it, it just goes to the whole creative process. You just can't create these things in a boardroom, folks. <laughs> you just can't. Yeah. It, you, and, you know, you just, like, even, like, this isn't Speckle, this is Raw. Like, you know, Crown Jewel is the show coming up on Thursday. What did Raw end with? An angle that's not going to be on <laughs> Crown Jewel. Like, th- this company, like, has such macro-level problems that I don't even care about the micro level issues people bitch about anymore. Mm-hmm. It, they're, the creative process is so fundamentally broken within WWE that I don't even care that your favorite's not being pushed. The people they do push aren't even pushed well. Yeah. Like I, I always say it on the show, Ryan, you know, Justin, when we first started the show together many years ago, was like stunned that I really didn't have favorites. I mean, I do have favorites, but like I'm not like passionate about certain guys. I'm not compared to most modern wrestling fans. I don't, you know, stomp my feet when a guy I really like isn't being pushed to the degree I think he should be. Mm -hmm. That's something with me. But like the, I just want to see someone pushed well. And the, the thing is, no one's pushed well. I almost welcome the halcyon days of Roman Reigns being pushed to the top of the card when we all this when we're all debating is this really the guy? We don't even have that anymore. Yeah. Like look at his 2019. He comes back. You know, there's a, a lot of talk about that, a lot of goodwill, and he loses to Shane McMahon, which sets up a tag match where the Undertaker pin Shane McMahon. And then they give him this angle with Eric Rowan, which is just sort of blown off. And it's as if it didn't even matter. Like, it's that's just horrible. You know, the complaint used to be that 
even during like the boom periods that wrestling was too predictable. Like I would hear this, oh, obviously they're going to rock in Austin. And I think you go way back, you know, like that Savage Hogan thing. Obviously they were going to that. But you know what? Sometimes the obvious isn't so bad because you have direction and you know smart fans can pick up on it we know what the direction is this is where they're going but they're going to do good tv to get there when you're directionless you have no good tv and that's what we're seeing right now that it was such a great commentary by ryan drosty you know leader of you know the future of you know iowa (laughs) And, you know, quite frankly, wrestling fans coast to coast. Oh, I thank you. Yes, because you're right. That's what it boils down to. Do they know where they want to be in December? Do they not? Do they know what the Royal Rumble card is? I've always been of the opinion that around this time of year, as you start to approach Survivor Series, you should know what your WrestleMania main event is. Yeah, ideally, for sure. And it's, it's all about, okay, this is the WrestleMania main event. And then you book backwards. Yeah. But you just see this, you know, again, we're going to talk about Crown Jewel in a little bit. Like, what happens after Crown Jewel? You know, I, I see some of these things and it just seems, you know, with one exception being the Brock Velasquez match, there's just like this finality to these situations that will mean nothing mm-hmm. in the greater landscape. And Survivor Series okay, is just another excuse for them not to do brand-specific feuds. Because what do they do for Survivor Series every year? It's just the Raw versus SmackDown bullshit mm-hmm. that doesn't draw. Yeah. So I, I just, what is the great angle that would get casual people to watch? They just don't, if you're a casual person and you watched that first episode, I said this at the time, you're like, well, what about that fucking Kofi Kingston guy? Yeah, they made and, him seem like a big deal, and then, you know, we know what happened he, there. He doesn't even want his title back. Yeah, <laughs> like, completely like, screwed the pooch on that one. You, you know what's funny is, like, people within wrestling just... I, I think, you, you know, you hit this on the head with, you know, sometimes simple is best, and it really is. Like, I, I think they, like, get, like, offended at the notion of it, this being people within the business of how simple a form of entertainment wrestling is. Yeah. But like they shouldn't at all because like people with a cursory knowledge of pro wrestling, maybe people don't even like pro wrestling, but people just who understand what good pro wrestling is. Okay. If you have those people watch the modern WWE, they'd be like, what is this? Like, where is any of this going? Like, it should be easy to consume. That's the beauty of pro wrestling. Because it ain't fucking rocket science. Yeah. You know, you just want this easy, you know, form of entertainment to consume. And they complicate it so much that it's just like, it's not even wrestling anymore. I have, like, it is very hard to watch Raw and SmackDown. I'm going to be very blunt. They are Horrible, horrible shows. I mean, I can't speak for that 2008 to 2010 period because I did not watch very much. But, dude, this post-WrestleMania WWE has been some of the fucking absolute shittiest stuff I have ever seen in 33 years of watching this promotion. (laughs) 
Dude, I'm covering I'm covering SmackDown every Friday night for comicbook.com and I've been doing it since the summer of 2017 and this is by far the worst. Like we There's don't There's no direction. Exactly, and that's the biggest problem because we don't cover the show like a lot of sites would do, you know, with the play-by-play, every single match, every segment. That's not what we do. On comic book, it's more for a general audience and we're covering like the the big stories coming out of the show or like things that we think will trend well on social media kind of thing. Like our editors will assign articles and like there I'm watching these shows. There's nothing to write about. Like nothing of consequence happens. And sometimes I get to over halfway through the show and I haven't even written an article yet. Cause there's nothing worthy of writing an article on. Like since that first, since that first week, it's just been like nothing. It's like, they're not even trying. It's just, they're all, they all seem like placeholder shows and to your point about the simplicity, arguably the best wrestling show on right now is the NWA Power Show on YouTube. That is old school, simple wrestling. And arguably, I don't know how much of you watch, Kyle, because we haven't really talked yeah. in the last couple of weeks about it. But like that and Dynamite and NXT has been pretty good, too. I mean, those are the those are the best shows right now. And it's it's very old school mentality, I feel like. Well, you know. With Dynamite, it's wrestling, at least. Like, it's so... Like, the WWE is so bad that it's just like... All I want now is just something to resemble wrestling. (laughs) Like, to follow the tenets of professional wrestling. Like, I'm just going through what happened on SmackDown last week, okay? Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler beat The New Day. Okay? I whatever Lacey Evans uh, who has already failed in a world title program is now being built up nicely, (laughs) but it's bass backwards booking as we talked about before (laughs) they, they they did the excellent job of building her up after having her being a failed title contender, which (laughs) again goes against all tenants of pro wrestling. Yeah. In any other era, you would have this Lacey Evans, the last six weeks come before what we saw with the Becky feud. Yeah. That's just common sense. Um, Kalisto and Drew Gulak, God bless them. I love them both. But in a promotion where there's a lot of people, I'm not sure that's the match you'd be putting on. Yeah. You know, people are going to talk about Brian and Nakamura maybe as a program. Okay. Like, what's the best you can hope? Nakamura tries and they have a good match? <laughs> It's I've never seen a promotion with more talented people that I don't just don't give a damn about. Yeah. And we're going to talk about this Finn Balor heel turn too in a moment. And I'm going to be the poop in the soup guy on it (laughs) because the WWE, I just know that nothing matters down the line. So why would I get excited about something? Yeah. Like, like I don't care about, Oh, I was, onto this first if something does actually get big and clicks i don't care about that like Mm -hmm. that's where i'm at with this wwe i would just like just prove to me that something is good and can stick and have meaning other than becky lynch and her rise nothing has mattered in the last two years yeah so the Balor heel turn, uh, we were talking about it that night quite a bit in our text thread. Uh, Justin, obviously being our resident Finn Balor, Mark was really pumped about it. I loved it as well. Um, 
we've been grading these shows, uh, AEW versus NXT over on Comic Book, and uh, this past week with the Balor heel turn, I actually gave the week to NXT because I felt like the Balor heel turn, that main event they had, the three-way, I thought the lasting legacy of those two shows, while they were both good, I thought the heel turn by Balor was like going to be the most memorable thing historically that people would take away from Wednesday night, so I had to give it to NXT. But the shows are pretty comparable. It was a good show. I think we've been talking about a Balor heel turn for a while on this broadcast, so it's not like it was unexpected. But it was a cool moment. What did you think about it, Kyle? Hmm. Uh What did I think about it? So, if you're someone like yourself who is employed to rate these shows on a weekly basis and you're looking for kind of, ah, what was the most noteworthy thing? And that plays in your rating. I understand the thought process in saying, well, this fin because of the Finn Balor heel turn, NXT was more memorable in the moment. But here's what I'm concerned about. And this is a trickle-down effect from Raw and SmackDown. Down. Yeah, trickle-down. And we all know trickle-down economics are, is a lie. Uh, <laughs> one of the biggest frauds perpetrated in this country over the last 40 years. Uh, no semblance of it working. Uh, maybe I'm getting into a different podcast, but uh, just wanted to make that very clear. It is a complete fraud. Uh, it has never worked, and it is, a, quite frankly... Uh, Horse manure. Uh, <laughs> I, I know exactly how to get Kyle Ross off track. Yes. Sorry. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> um, I guess call me negative Nancy. I have no faith that this is going to mean anything long term. <laughs> and I get like if you're a Finn Balor fan and you felt that his character had stagnated mm-hmm. in a babyface role, you're excited about this. And you have every right to be if you're a Finn Balor fan. Um, as I duck. Um, you know, Justin's not here, so maybe I don't have to duck. I don't know what my precise view is on Finn Balor being a difference maker in this promotion on any brand. It's probably not as high as you and certainly not as high as Justin. I just think that it's like, okay, where does this lead? Is Finn Balor going to dominate the NXT brand? It's kind of hard because you have another heel champion. He's going to feud with Johnny Gargano in the interim, and they'll probably have a good match. Hmm. But, like, what I'm very fearful of is Wednesday. And I have not seen the complete backstage interview that he did. I know he made references to the Prince's back. And, again, if you like Finn Balor, you're going to get all gaga over that. But what I don't want on Wednesday is for him to say, I don't owe you fans an explanation. Because that's just shitty storytelling. Like, I get that. Like, the reason people were excited about this and got people talking is people didn't expect it. And shock value is cool, okay? But if it's just done for the sake of shock value, we see this all the time with WWE, it has no long-lasting effect. So I was talking with our friend Derek, over in the DMs about this turn. He's like, hey, man, you want to hear my take on NXT? I'm like, sure, give it to me. He's like, that's how you end a show. 
And I'm like, yeah, okay. It was a surprising end to a show, but you know, my opinion on this thing is a total hold. Yeah, I didn't expect it in the moment. I and to be fair, I actually did not watch the show live, so I knew it was gonna like you know I, I did not um, you know expect it, but I, but what you know I I had known it before I watched the show in full that he turned. You know I had seen it on Twitter, not watching the show live per se. Um, but w- w- it remains to be seen. Yeah, it was a cool moment, but where does it lead? And and that's the big question. And WWE has not been good at all in recent years at following these shock moments. That's fair. I think NXT has been better than the main roster. Yeah, but man, their creatives been kind of bad for a year or two. Yeah. I, you know, I and I feel that people have just recently caught on to this. I think people were like looking at me cross-eyed when I was saying this last year, that the NXT creative has not been good. And you got a lot of folks, look at this current situation now, with you got a lot of these folks who are upset that they're not getting enough TV time, even with the two hours. And then you've got people, you know, like Balor, who are coming back from the main roster. You've got the top guys who really don't want to go to the main roster. It's created this log jam. Mm-hmm. The WWE, it just has too many people employed, bottom line. Um, was it in a – if the goal was you didn't see this coming, okay, mission accomplished. But there's more to a heel turn than in the moment. And so I, you know, color me skeptical, I guess. I, I, I am not racing to – rejoice over anything in the moment anymore that occurs in the world wrestling federation. Yeah. I think that's a legitimate argument. I agree. I think, I think it was a great moment on TV. I am curious how they follow it up. And I think that some of our listeners probably already know because uh, this will be going out to the world on Wednesday morning. So maybe some of you are listening to it after Wednesday night. We'll see. But do you agree with me though? If he comes out and cuts a promo, you watch the backstage promo. Did he, kind of allude to that or what what did he say besides the prince comment because uh i did not see it otherwise well he said that he loved the feeling of kicking johnny gargano in the head so obviously that feud is coming Mm -hmm. Um, they talked about how a lot has been uh said about the heel turn they actually used the term heel turn on the broadcast Uh, renee young talked about a lot of people been talking about it including a certain club quote and uh, obviously Memphis uh, reference to the uh, Bullet Club and uh, Balor said, well, yeah, you know, a lot of people have reached out to him. He left it pretty vague there. And uh, he they talked about his character shift. He said, basically, what you're seeing now is the real Finn Balor. And uh, he, asked, so he asked Booker if he if he was familiar with his work before WWE referring to WW to uh, New Japan, which we've talked about on this broadcast a lot, how, you know, as a heel, Balor's actually been better as a heel traditionally in his career. Yeah, but he was a good baby face in WWE. I don't know if he quite even lived up to his potential. That's some, someone who isn't necessarily as high on Finn Balor as other people. I thought he could be an effective baby face. Um, the injury really derailed it. I think he came in hot when he won the universal yes, title, but that yes. was his, the, the, that, that was his prime was a moment. Killer because I yeah. don't think he ever would have won the universal title at any other time. No. Yeah. Uh, so are you with me though, by the way, miss Booker T so much on commentary, mm-hmm. miss him so much. Just what a treat he was. But are you with me that if he comes out, his promo on Wednesday is, I don't owe you fans an explanation. You know, the old, 
uh, Stone Cold post WrestleMania 17 that that's manure. Yeah, that's bad. because like like you listen to what he said on backstage. There's really no storyline. Like what what is the reason that he doesn't like Johnny Gargano? Like this goes back to wrestling 101. What I was talking about when I was lamenting, you know, main roster stuff and how they don't they just don't even do traditional like why target Johnny Gargano? It felt good to kick him in the head. Why? What did yeah. Johnny Gargano do to you? Why was like this is very simple stuff. You know, like why was Johnny Gargano the person you targeted? I hope that's addressed. Yeah. You would hope. I mean, that that is booking 101, but I can't say I have the faith in him to uh to do it <laughs> at this stage unfortunately. And, and, you know, it was funny just one other quick NXT note. You know, Derek, it, 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 this was another NXT thing that I guess I was, you know, the the old poop in the soup guy with him. You know, he's like, oh, I love what they're doing with, you know, Lee and Dijakovic. And, you know, it's overdue to put those guys in the ring. But it's so typical WWE that they're just going to run that like kind of into the ground where they just had them, you know, you know, they didn't do. Obviously, there were some injuries and stuff, but like they're just like, well, we'll just have them in, the, you know, have them in the ring together now all the time. And we're going to give you that match. Mm hmm. And whereas, you know, again, booking 101 is, okay, you have them do a blow-away match, you keep them separate, you get them even more over, and then they do a rematch a few weeks down the line. Yeah. By the way, Lee Dijakovic, I, I don't care what the rules are with this brand split. That's a match that I would have considered putting on the first SmackDown. Don't care that, oh, oh they're NXT guys. Get, don't care. Don't care. You're trying to attack, attract casual viewers with something new, people who are lapsed fans. And, and to me, big guys doing those kind of moves is something that would work. Mm -hmm. What's the worst that can happen? People are like, yeah, I don't know who these guys are. I don't really care about this. Okay, fine. Then they just go back to NXT. <laughs> They're just going to placeholder matches anyways in the next couple of weeks, so yeah. why not? Yeah. Uh, um, let's just kind of just very briefly, because we haven't actually fully previewed these Saudi Arabia shows on the program in the past, nor should we, because we have some issues with them, but we, we talked about this off air, Kyle, or just kind of, kind of paint it with a broad stroke. I mean, what is your opinion of this show that's going down on Thursday? Uh, crown jewel. Um, so it's interesting to me that these cards when you just look at them they're more intriguing than your average wwe pay-per-view believe it or not to me in the sense that there's more outside the box ideas it's just not paint by numbers formulaic stuff because you know that they've got the money to throw around and they, they, they try new things uh that said it is very hard to overcome the stench of who they're in bed with. Um, if I would encourage everybody, if you haven't already done so, to watch the front line about MBS and his history rather than watch this show. Frontline is a PBS production. Um, I haven't got a Kyle Ross Frontline recommendation in a while. Well, there you there go. You watch it. It was absolutely tremendous. I, I watched it uh, a couple weeks ago, and I made a note that I was going to recommend it to all our listeners when uh, the show was coming up. But as far as the show in particular, you've got a Seth Rollins Bray Wyatt match where <laughs> they're booked into a corner because Bray Wyatt like can't really win because of the brand split. Mm -hmm. 
Um, unless if they're just going to ha- if they have a win, he just like goes over to Raw, which kind of defeats the purpose of him being drafted to SmackDown. Right. Um, and that's the wrong result that they booked themselves in the corner. So that's no good. Uh, you know, I alluded to it earlier with Velasquez and, you know, while that might sound good on paper, I don't think it's going to, you know, and again, you're putting the show on in the Thursday afternoon. So it kind of defeats the purpose of, you know, doing a celebrity angle that, which again, in theory is designed to attract casual viewers. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Tyson Fury. I mean, here's something that could actually like in the sports world, people are like, oh, that's, you know, wow, they're doing this U- UFC rivalry in WWE. Oh, wow, the the World Heavyweight Boxing Champions doing WWE, and it's on a Thursday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. So you know, and the, this Hogan Flair deal that they've been promoting on TV. Okay, again, outside the box idea. It's a way to get Hulk and Rick. On TV, they get a reaction, but like when it's done, what is it going to mean? You know, I mean, Ric Flair, I mean, you know, he loves to job to Hulk Hogan, so I expect his team's going to lose. <laughs> so, but like, what's it going to mean for any of the people involved? And then you have like, again, this is simple shit that I'm bitching about. I feel I'm being nitpicking Nancy, but it's just, it's just like I pull my hair out at this stuff. Why did they announce Seth, make a big deal about announcing Seth Rollins as the team captain? For Hogan, only to pull him out. That that yeah. that's reflective of something you said moments ago. No long term planning. That's a mind boggling error. <laughs> like, how does that even happen? And the thing is, what they pulled him out for is to do a match that's going to have an undesirable result. You think? Yeah. yeah. So like, it's just oh, unbelievable, unbelievable <laughs> stuff. I I. It's kind of intriguing. Like I said, if they weren't in bed with the Saudis, it would be, you know, kind of like intriguing to watch. But it's just such a distasteful situation. And I just want to make one comment about the WWE, all these things we've talked about, whether it's the sagging SmackDown ratings, Crown Jewel. You know, you see the financial shape WWE's in, and it's very it's very good financial shape. That They've done something that no other wrestling promotion in history is. They get these guaranteed huge revenue streams. And, you know, I see some people on Twitter occasionally, you know, they'll, they'll respond to a, a criticism maybe from Meltzer or Keller. And they're like, oh, you know, great time to say that, Dave. Great time to say that, Wade. They just got a billion dollars from Fox. You know, maybe, you know, save that for a different time. I just want to say this. If you think the WWE got a billion dollars from Fox because of its creative, you're a fucking moron. (laughs) I just don't know any other way to say it. Like, if you think, like, the WWE sat down with Fox and showed them their different angles they run over the year and that's how they got that deal, you're very stupid. Like, do you think, like, they pulled the Fox execs in, like, Hey, this is this thing we're calling the Firefly Funhouse. Check this out. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? They did it because there are 52 because again, they can you know kind of compose this narrative that sounds great to a boardroom. 52 weeks a year, guaranteed 2.5 million baseline. You know, live audiences every week. Mm-hmm. Loyal fan base, DVR proof. They see all these things and it all sounds great, but then you watch, and you're like, this isn't any good. 
So yeah, they've got guaranteed revenue streams. They're doing well financially. And, you know, people look, I just want to enjoy this. And I'm saying to myself, man, if you're enjoying this product, God bless you. Let me have some of what you're smoking. <laughs> well said. Well said. Well, guys, we're going to lighten the mood a little bit for you here. We're going to get nostalgic on you now. Our topic of the week is pro wrestling video games with WWE 2K20 releasing last week we thought this was the perfect time to go back in time and, and talk wrestling video games another shitty thing that WWE's produced the video <laughs> although game. that video game has been <laughs> has not been getting the greatest uh reviews we do have an awesome guest lined up for you tonight and we are going to talk about the history of wrestling video games and some of our greatest uh, memories of playing wrestling video games kind of our top five of the genre so uh, let's get to our topic of the week. It's WCW NWO Revenge, only on Nintendo 64. Nintendo Power says WCW NWO action is bigger than ever. Fans will eat this one up. Featuring over 60 of WCW and NWO superstars with custom finishes and trademark moves. Four-player battle royal mode with double teaming and more weapons than ever before. Get addicted. Call 1-800-WCW-8661 to order now. Also available wherever video games are sold. Revenge is just too sweet. As mentioned at the top of the broadcast, this week's topic of the week is pro wrestling video games. Joining us tonight to talk wrestling gaming is someone I've wanted to get on this show for a very long time. And uh, as I introduce him to you, let me first set the stage. The year is 1998. I finally convinced my parents to get our first PC in America Online. That's dial-up internet, kids. And uh, I've just joined my first pro wrestling eFed online within weeks of getting online and oh what I, a beaut those things were <laughs> oh yeah if you're not familiar efeds are like they're kind of a wrestling simulation that involves writing role plays they're like promos via an online message board or an email chain and uh so this particular week it's uh probably the fall of 98 i've got a big match coming up naturally i'm bret hart my childhood hero and my opponent of course happens to be Shawn michaels and uh <laughs> I've just spent hours writing my latest promo. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Um, But just in a mere hour or two, my opponent, HBK himself, has responded by putting out another 1,000 plus words to counter my latest promo, crushing my hopes and dreams in the process. I I just cannot keep up with this guy. I don't know who he is behind that keyboard, but... He's really starting to piss me off. I, I can't keep up with this guy's writing. Uh, he went on to beat me that week, but what evolved was a 21-year f- friendship kept alive by AOL Instant Messenger, ICQ, Yahoo, Face the Jury, MySpace, Facebook, Twitter, text, Snapchat, pretty much every means of communication online you can think of. Uh, you may know him as a full-time partnered streamer on Twitch where his presentation and streaming is pretty much unparalleled in my opinion. Uh, you got to check it out. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. He's also a full-time host where he's appeared at various events for Twitch, including E3, Chicago and Seattle Comic-Con, PAX East and South, the freaking White House, and IGF. Most recently, uh, you can also find him as a host on GameStop TV, streaming online and in GameStop stores across the country. 
please welcome to Top Rope Nation for the very first time, none other than my man, Okadrian, a.k.a. Adrian F.E., a.k.a. the Shawn Michaels to my Bret Hart. Adrian, what's going on? I had to mute myself a couple of times just <laughs> laughing at, oh, <laughs> of how man. much you hang on to that because I still do too. I remember the losses and the wins and they never go away. <laughs> Those EFADs were so much fun. And honestly, you know, being a writer of at comicbook.com, I honestly, I credit my expansion as a writer getting better as a writer to those efads because i mean i was 14 15 years old 16 years old at the time and i was just writing constantly and i i honestly think that's what made me a good writer kyle did you do the efad thing i did i was laughing the entire time you're doing that because (laughs) it took me back i was i used hulk hogan no way. <laughs> yes. <Of course. laughs> and Kyle always bashes Hulk Hogan on yeah, the pod. You know so how much I hate so Hulk Hogan, but this gave me the opportunity to like kind of make fun of him and use him. And I, this can be verified by my buddy Chad, friend of the show. I did this gimmick where on the eighth day, I created the three wise men named Meltzer, Shearer, and Keller to spin lies about me to make all the rest of them hate me. <laughs> oh, my and God. I would, just, I would just write these like incredibly offensive promos to anyone who was like deeply religious about like on the on the first day this on the second day this and i would just act like i was god talking in the in the voice of hulk hogan you were right on brand mm-hmm. oh my god yeah that's great it was funny there were people who would dm me they're like this is incredible and are you an insane person <laughs> well yeah me and adrian we were in a couple efeds together and we, yeah right. we did a lot of that dwf Zyber yep. was one of them. Yeah, Zyber was champions. like the big one. Yep. That one was cool champions. because, and we're carbon dating ourselves, I think, because this is when you had people becoming really, really good at anything involving like macromedia and like shockwave flash. So if you went to a website and it wasn't just green text and an animated GIF or a GIF, if you must, then you had flash presentations with actual videos and highlighting match results and pay per view intros, and that was like. It felt like a true Sunday where the countdown happened and you saw the intro and you get hyped up. And it was like being at an event. Mm, oh, my God. I remember refreshing that page waiting for the intro. Yeah, the the shockwaves that the guy would put together. Just It was so immersive. It was awesome and tons of fun. Obviously made a good friend out of it. And uh, yeah, we kept in contact. I mean, 21. It's hard to believe. 1998. 21 years later. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because I have a lot of friends now who do things, you know, like D&D, which has been around for a long time and a lot of different role-playing things. And they ask me, have you ever role-played? And I stop and say, well, not really. But then I think back to this and I realize, oh, my God, I did. <laughs> I was a wrestling role-player. <laughs> like, Got to go RP. Things, man, like backstage, people, no one's around. It's late hours, empty, empty in arena, sitting in one chair. And you just think back to like, wow, I did that. Yeah, you you always wrote like the most descriptive promos. They were, they were always so well written, and I'm I'm a pretty competitive guy, as Kyle could attest to. And uh, man, I I remember that first matchup with you, man. I I could not keep up. I was frustrated. I think, I think that like I was always impressed by your work, so maybe want to try extra hard. I think that week I actually had a lot of homework to do, and I sacrificed that week to many of the F gods and D gods just to make sure <laughs> that this came out on top. 
<laughs> oh man, that's great. That's good stuff. Well, bef- before we get going on this topic, though, Adrian, like I said, you're a pretty busy guy. And uh, for the Top Rope Nation listeners that maybe aren't familiar with your work, tell us what you've been up to. Yeah, sure. I mean, most of what you said already covers it. Uh, I've been on Twitch for six years now, partnered for five and a half years. And I mean, growing up, I always wanted to find some way to entertain people while making them smile. Like growing up for me, that's what wrestling was. Wrestling was an escape to watch incredibly like gifted athletes do these amazing things with sometimes good and or bad storylines. Gaming intertwined with that. And so hosting gave me the opportunity to start doing that as well, to talk about the things that I love, like comic books and wrestling and gaming and doing it to a medium that I'm familiar with. And so, I mean, lately, that's what I've been doing is just taking opportunities. Uh, E3 was fantastic. Twitch sells out an Amazon Prime event. Just going to these events and talking about the things that I love to talk about, scripted or unscripted, that's that's the best time in getting to go to these conventions and people who see you and recognize you and talk about you know, the good things you've done in their life, it feels good. You know, it's it's recompense for the initial idea of wanting to do in the first place, which is to make people happy. So it yeah. feels really good. That's awesome. It's been it's been really cool to watch you kind of rise through the ranks and get those opportunities and everything. Uh, you've definitely you've had some wrestling interviews, too. Uh, yeah. uh, Sam Punk was the big one that I remember a couple of years ago. One of those, you, I can't believe it's going to happen kind of things. I remember we were in Chicago Comic-Con, and I knew the idea of it happening might be a thing. But we, we go over the idea of who's going to cover who. Yeah, every day. Like, we're going to have this guest, and I, I cover that because I watched this, and I watched that, and I watched Battlestar Galactica, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then they have a challenge moment. They're like, hey, you know, we have this one person. We're not sure if anyone can help us out with this one. But, you know, I mean, the way he usually interviews, some people – have a hard time talking with them. Adrian, do you like a challenge? And I said, you know, I don't mind. Sure. What is it? Uh, name's Phil, Phil Brooks. I'm like, <laughs> wait, 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 excuse me. <laughs> CM Punk on stage. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You like wrestling. Can you, can you, you can take that one then. Right. And <laughs> I forgot the answer. I just stood there with my mouth agape, you know, cause I've been a long time fan of CM Punk and I'd, I cherished, like, just relished the opportunity to interview with him and just ask him questions. And it was, it was a good time. You know, it wasn't hard at all. Just to talk to the guy. Yeah. And uh, Xavier Woods, too, right? Yeah. Xavier is actually the homie. He, he's been really nice, ran to the E3. And then ever since he's been involved in his up, up, down, down space in YouTube, now you see him at just about any convention you go to. Like, he's always in a space doing something for someone there. And uh, he's been really chill to talk to. He's been really supportive too about the GameStop thing. He lets me know when he sees me in there. He'll give me a yeah and post a video about it. So <laughs> it feels pretty good. That was a great opportunity as well. Uh, I didn't get a chance to interview her, but AJ as well. Mm-hmm. Got to see her and talk to her backstage. I had to go somewhere else. But she autographed my book Batman style because I had it backstage. And she snuck it in an autograph on the front of the book and then dipped before I got back. So that That's was touching. Nice. Very nice. Well, we'll we'll talk about uh, you know where you can find him and stuff at the end of the show. But uh, like I said, his Twitch channel is awesome. I pop in occasionally, jump in the nice. chat, always throw in a uh, an eFed reference when I'm there. It's <laughs> so. so great because it's one of those tee hee hee. Do you get it? I get it. Things and every now and then one person will say, "Oh yeah, I used to do that." Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, no, I, I mean, I've, I've thrown out, uh, recommendations to your channel before. Obviously my day job as listeners know is, is as a, a teacher and once in a while my students will be talking about Twitch and I'll be like, I know a guy 
he's pretty good. He, you should check him out. So uh, hopefully I've, I'm, I'm throwing some uh, viewers your way, Adrian. I appreciate that, man. I'm yeah. surprised you don't do e-feds in your classroom. <laughs> <laughs> Make some historical e-feds or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. I actually might You're think welcome. about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you advertise your uh, your Twitch channel as people, you know, they can learn something. You're educating them. So it makes sense that you would throw that out there. Yeah, it goes from time to time, depending on the game that I'm playing. Like right now, I'm doing the Outer Worlds. And uh, I, the way I grew up, I always think there's something the game can teach you. Uh, I think a lot of times when you read something, you don't understand it. You kind of store it for later, but you never go back to see what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, for example, in the Outer Worlds, there's a Saltuna exhibit at the Emerald Vale Community Center. And they talk about Saltunas as being uh, Simulpurus, or Simulpurus, I think it is, where they perish after a single, like, reproduction episode. <laughs> and that's an actual thing. You know, mm -hmm. like, creatures that just, they reproduce once, and then they're dead. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is the breakdown of the word itself, the etymology, like it comes from the word simile, you know, the Greek historical figure and her whole story and how that happened. And Paris is from Pereri, I think, which is Latin, which means to produce, to bring forth like a parent. So that's something you see in the game and you just kind of ignore it. But if you just think about it and find out what it is, you find out that it has a reference in the game that makes sense. Yeah. Some may argue that Saltuna would be a good thing for wrestling promoters. You think so? <laughs> I would agree. I yeah. I would actually agree 100. <laughs> percent Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's too far. But depending uh, on what they produce. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I thought this was a perfect week to have you on because obviously you got connections in the gaming industry. Uh, definitely, you're one of the most knowledgeable gamers that I know. So I thank you again for coming on. We're gonna talk pro wrestling video games. We're gonna get nostalgic on you here a little bit. Um, I just want to throw it around the horn first and uh, i'll bring you in kyle because i know you're not as big of a gamer as maybe myself and adrian are but uh i know you played the games as a youngster what's the earliest for both of you we'll go to kyle first what's the earliest wrestling game you remember playing arcade or console kyle is it wrestlemania the acclaim game that had bam bam bigelow in it yeah i believe so okay NES, that was the NES? First... yes mm-hmm it had like six guys. It was Hogan, Savage, Honky Tonk, Bigelow, Andre, and DiBiase. It was that mm. one. It was the first one I had, for sure. That's, that's, that sounds right. Uh, what about you, Adrian? First memory playing video games with wrestling? Uh, going to the arcade and playing WWF WrestleFest. Oh, yeah. Love that game. Was my earliest memory because, like, it, it, it's kind of hard to talk about now with arcades not being around, but you associate certain noises with the arcade. And there was this cheesy, like, theme music that everyone had when they walked down the ramp. And it was like this doom, 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 doom. <laughs> and I would walk in the arcade and I'd hear that. And I knew someone was playing it. And they had two modes Royal Rumble and they had tag team matches. And they had Legion of Doom as the final bosses. They had Perfect. They had, you know, Jake the Snake. They had Bossman, Hogan. Warrior, Slaughter, Earthquake. That would the game was dope. It was just sick. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that I mean that's a classic for sure. I think for me, pro, I do remember renting. I think from the local grocery store, uh, WrestleMania, the one Kyle mentioned, and uh, I I owned WrestleMania Steel Cage Challenge that came out a few years later. Um, one of them that first made a big impression on me that my cousin had was the WCW NES game. 
because I remember mm-hmm. it seemed like so much more complex than the WWF games. Like you could select moves to use in the matches versus <laughs> I think WrestleMania basically you could kick and punch, maybe like body slam the guy, maybe drop an elbow, but you couldn't really do much. And that WCW game, I think it was also like from a different angle. I think the the ring was you were looking at it like diagonally. If I remember right, it was just like a whole different feel to that game. And that one actually, WCW Wrestling, we're going to talk top five wrestling games here in a little bit. I think that one ranks pretty high. It doesn't make my top five, but that was the first one where I felt like it was doing something pretty interesting, like beyond what I was seeing out of the WWF games um, at the time. So what do you guys look for in a good wrestling game? Let me just throw it right back to Adrian just being a big gamer. Like if you're if you're deciding to buy a game or not now i know 2k20 has been panned oh, by pretty man. much everybody Dismal. i actually have not bought it i almost always like pre-order these games or buy them on release day and this year i decided to hold off and i think that was a good idea because from what i'm seeing and the gifts posted on twitter and everything that game is an absolute disaster i hope they can fix it with a patch but uh and w- what kinds of things do you look for adrian in, in a good wrestling game uh i think i i like I like it's tough now that games are getting smarter, right? But I like the idea of a game that understands what wrestling is. Like I've always liked the Fire Pro series because you you can't and and in a way the N sixty four games do this too. But you can't start off and you can't heavy grapple right away. You know, it's not high spots right away. Mm. You can't falcon arrow out of the gate, you know? Yeah. You punch and you chop and you wear the opponent down and then as you expend more stamina Late in the match, they start huffing and puffing. They grab an arm or a head. They're a bit more sluggish in their movement. Things like that. Also, attention to detail for things that are, I guess, pomp and circumstance. I remember a while back when they first uh, took over, I think, uh, Take Two Interactive, 2K Sports, they didn't sync Randy Orton's music right. And it's such like a wrestling thing like to say as a fan, like, you didn't get his music right. But this is what it felt like. Because he has this, like, ah, influence, and the lights flash along with that on beat. Mm-hmm. And in the game, it wasn't doing that. It would just randomly do the light flickering in the background off cue with the music. I remember watching the intro, and I was like, man, this, this sucks. It ruins my immersion. So small mm-hmm. things like that for immersion really help out. Having a Triple H not spit the water on Q. Oh my God! Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, I get you. I'm I'm super anal about those details too. I think uh, I'm I'm huge with like customizing games. Um, and like with the 2K share, I'll spend a lot of time on that. It's just, it's a really nerdy thing. I honestly, I think I spend more time like downloading stuff and customizing stuff than I do playing the actual game sometimes. And uh, one of the things that's really frustrated me on the current gen is the inability to customize entrance music because I would do that on my 360 with like every game and I have a PS4 now and it is possible like MLB the show has the option but like 2K had gotten rid of that to uh with NBA and then WWE had gotten rid of that when they went next gen and that's been kind of frustrating to me because I like to you know, have the creator wrestlers and give them the authentic theme music and customize their entrance like you're talking about. And that has been kind of lost this gen. It creates a hype, I think. You know, when you hear Edge's music, you get hyped up for that certain hit. But when you have, like, your creator character, you have created Joey Ryan and he has to come out to Edge's music <laughs> instead, it really doesn't work well. Yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah, I'm big on that. Just sports games in general. Like, I would spend hours on MLB The Show, like, 
setting everyone's uh, walk-up music and stuff like that, you know, like downloading that off of uh, Operation Sports. But uh, no, I, 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 I love customizing. So the ability to do that is, is something I look for. I think presentation in general, immersion, like you're talking about. That's all. That's all really critical to me. And then, of course, gameplay. And I, I think when we get into our top five, gameplay is going to be a, a big discussion. Uh, when we get, I'm going to mention Fire Pro too. And I, I know Adrian, you like Fire Pro a lot. And Love it. Some of the the late '90s, early 2000s games. Everyone will point to the gameplay on those. But uh, Kyle, what about you? Going to the arcade as a young man there in Cleveland. What are you looking for? So it's funny. I also would play wrestling. So I remember very vividly. After my uncle would take me to Browns games, we'd stop at this place called the Powerhouse, and they had that game there. And um, I just loved because that was like the first one that had the Royal Rumble uh, in it. Did yeah, it not? It did. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I remember that. Um, and, you know, not to make myself sound like I'm 58 years old or anything, do you know what I look for in a video game? That's just easy. I don't even care about any of the bells and whistles, man. I just just make it easy for me to do cool moves, man. I don't want to be you know that that's one of the things. Like I always get my ass kicked in every video game I've ever tried playing because like I just don't have like the patience or wherewithal to you know do what's necessary. Just just make it easy, man. Mm-hmm. That's all I need. Make it easy. <laughs> that's why I liked you know the WCW versus NWO. It was easy. That, yeah, that's a great new game. Games are yeah. Really tough about that. There's like five thousand controls to do anything and everything in the newer ones. Yeah. yeah, it is hard to just jump in and, and play. Like if I have friends over that they don't normally play the games with the new ones, yeah, it's it's pretty tough to like get a party of dudes to sit down and play the game because they have no idea. Like they, you can teach them how to run and like kick, and then like, oh, this is how you do this and that. How do you do a special? You know, it's it's a little difficult. <laughs> so. I wish there was like a dueling mode because part of me appreciates the fact that if you want to put on what you might call a five-star matchup, you can kind of start the presentation for one. You can put on the rust hold. You can kind of role play the matchup the way you want to. Once you learn all the controls, you can do your tree of woe. You can do your topes and it's, it's dope. But for a friend who's over, just like you said, playing with you, you can't say, all right, to put on a good match, here's what we got to do, right? <laughs> you want yeah. that easy mode, you know, just says, if you press this, the game will give you a great spot to do. Yeah. So I'm just kind of looking down the uh, the history of the WWE games. And uh, from WrestleMania, the one that you mentioned, Kyle, uh, that came out in 89 on the NES. And uh, I guess if we look at the, the licensed WWE games, according to Wikipedia, 2K20 is the 71st licensed WWE game. You know, that, that counts like mobile games and everything. And uh, just looking down the list... WrestleMania, WrestleMania Challenge, Superstars, Mania the Arcade Game. Those are uh, not the arcade game. That's later. But uh, the Steel Cage Challenge, those are all like pretty similar. Um, I think when we got to like Super WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, Raw, the games improved quite a bit. At least for me, that's when I, I got more immersed in the games. They, uh, y- you could do a little bit more with those. And uh, I might mention one of those as an honorable mention in my top five here um, in just a little bit. But uh, let's just get to that right now, our top five. Everyone talks about their favorite wrestling games. I looked up a few lists earlier today to, th- to see what other people thought about it. I, I even ran across a list, guys. You're not going to believe this. I found a list of top five wrestling games on a major website. I don't want to throw too much shade. But uh, <laughs> this person did not have revenge 
or No Mercy mm-hmm. in there, or any Fire Pro games. I'm like, what kind of list is this? <laughs> and I, I'm I'm assuming Adrian, you're probably going to have at least one of those in your top five. Absolutely. Uh, so just just uh, just hit us with it right now. What's your top five wrestling games of all time, Adrian? Uh, I would say in order from five to first. The number five is WWF Raw for the Xbox. And the reason why is like that game took presentation for interestness to a new level. Mm-hmm. This is back when they had like the, the cane entrance where it was dark and moody and red and they kept the red light on the entire time. And the game captured it really, really well. The only, and the models look really good too. Like the shine they had on them and everything else proportionate. The only thing that was really awful is that they had these weird sound effects like if you get hit with the chair it'd make this weird ping bell noise <laughs> if you like stunned someone and made this sound of like you stepping on a snickers wrapper <laughs> i wasn't quite sure like you usually you, like play a game you hit the sun and you're like oh my i hit it you get the impact noise but in that game i'd hit it and i'd look around like did my chair roll over something or <laughs> it's supposed to be like a broken neck or something that's really right weird. so yeah. it took away from the experience uh number four is probably fire pro wrestling s for the saturn Mm, nice. Uh, it was really cool. I remember because I bought a Saturn at the time, and that game was so dope that in order to play it, I had to get like an extension to put in the back of my Saturn to increase the amount of RAM that it needed. This is I'm gonna stop you there for just a second because that's funny talking about how long we've known each other. I remember you raving about the the Saturn <laughs> to me. <laughs> it's this is not even that good. Like at the time, like when you have that game, you think it's the dopest thing in the entire world. So yeah. That was part of it too, and I liked Fire Pro because of the fact that you really have to deal with momentum. And if you're behind in a match, you feel it. You know, there's no comeback. There's no everyone feels like they just take a brain buster and pop right back up. Like it really, really hits when it happens. So I can appreciate that. Um, number three, I would say uh, WWE SmackDown. Here comes the pain because mm-hmm. uh, the earlier titles were really good. This is the one where. I think they stopped taking themselves as seriously. I remember they had a helicopter in the game. So you could go out to like Times Square and if you were RVD, you could climb the helicopter using this this ladder they had and then do a five star from the top of the helicopter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's it's just really daunting when you you five star hardcore Holly and he kicks out at two. <laughs> Of course, it. Hardcore Holly kicks out a two. Yeah. <laughs> right. On brand that he would kick out a two of a five-star frog splash out of a helicopter. And then he picked me up in Alabama, slammed me on the concrete, and that'd be it. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess that makes sense. Well done, game. I appreciate that. <laughs> but that game was dope for that. You can come off the fist, everything like that. So, yeah, very much so. Uh, number two, I would say Ultimate Muscle, Legends versus New Generation for the GameCube. And that deals with the uh, the Japanese anime and manga about the Ultimate Muscle series. And it was really cool because it's really solid mechanics. They have these completely unrealistic finishers, like a muscle buster where you jump 45 feet in the air first and just drop down for 20 seconds. It just plays really, really, really well. And uh, doesn't get enough attention, I think, as it should. And number one to me, the GOAT of all time, is Revenge. Oh, I, yeah. I love WrestleMania 2000 uh, versus the world was okay and No Mercy was cool. But I liked Revenge because I always had favoritism towards the, the luchadors and Lucha Libre and having access to 
Ultimo Dragon and Jericho, Malenko and Guerrero, and uh, I think even Psychosis and Inferno and Conan, Alex Wright. Like to me, that roster was so deep. I loved the attitude and everything else, but I never thought I'd see Disco Inferno in a game. And when I played that game, I would run my matches the same way I saw them playing out in my head. You know, so like I couldn't win, even if the game wanted me to, I couldn't win on the top rope Frankenstein. I had to do, you know, the lion's salt and I had to make them tap to the lion tamer. If they didn't, then I just have to take more damage to get back to that point. Yeah. How about that intro on Revenge? <laughs> it's just <laughs> so whack. I love it. <laughs> it's just classic. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, what's the semi doing here? Why is the semi a like focal point of this intro? But it was like. It was so unlike any game you had seen to that point. And just the entrances and the pyro and, like, man, I yeah, I love that game, too. Those That's frozen my top faces. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love the way they look. Yeah. I, World Tour was cool, like, being the first game on the 64. I remember it was really hard to find. But uh, I, I, like, searched weeks for World Tour. It was always sold out. Being like that 3D wrestling game, but yeah, by the time Revenge came out, everything in that game had been perfected so perfectly. The roster was huge. Revenge is, yeah. It's cool because you can really see the work they put into that game, like Aki. Like the first one they had, DDP, the Diamond Cutter, as essentially an ace crusher. He would walk forward and kind of like fall, Mm -hmm. and he just did it with one arm, just one bicep. But in the next iteration, Revenge, he would put one leg up, kind of stop, grab the top of the head, cutter. You could do it off the ropes and rebound attack. You could do it on the top ropes. You had three different ways to do the diamond cutter, which was his whole stick. And the fact that they included that in the game and redid the animation to make it look better really shows the attention to detail that they had for wrestling at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that actually, that's funny you mentioned that. It's one of the things I most remember is, is the variations of moves that you could pull off in that game, specifically the diamond cutter made it mm-hmm. so memorable. I mean, geez, you'd come so long. That game came out, what, 98, was it? Sounds about right. So, I mean, you're only a few years removed from those WWF games where you could hardly do anything, you know? And yeah, it, yeah. you got 3D graphics now, you, you know, circle around the ring and uh, customize multiple versions of moves. Yeah, Revenge is anyone our age is going to really talk fondly of that game. I've, I've gone back and played it in recent years, still have the N64 hooked up at my parents' house, and it's still a really good game, like gameplay wise. The graphics I remember thinking at the time were like unbelievable. Don't mm-hmm. look as good today, but <laughs> <laughs> it's still like I mean the game holds up. People people customize that game in No Mercy to this day. Oh right? yeah, they keep up to it. Yeah, they sure do. So I know AEW has talked about like they've hinted at when they make a game they want to get those developers back, and which uh, is brilliant. It's such a it's just a really good idea to be honest because mm-hmm. anybody who remembers that game would come back and flock to it right away. Yeah, yeah. So. For me, I have my top five, no particular order, but uh, I have WCW Revenge, NWO Revenge, also on mine. Probably don't need to say much more about that. <laughs> that pretty much covers it. Um, no Mercy, which same developers, and uh, great game. I, I would actually agree. I think I liked Revenge better, though, because it was more fresh. I mean, World Tour was similar, um, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, something about revenge. That's that's to me. That's the game on the N sixty four for wrestling. Um, I really like Fire Pro Wrestling World that just came out in the last year. Yeah. I'm still. I'm. I mean, I'm still like customizing the game. Talking about someone who likes to customize earlier. 
myself i mean that is that game is right up my alley you can you can download custom rings download custom wrestlers pretty easily on that game and uh if you're looking for customization i mean that is that's the game strategy wise yeah you actually it's it takes strategy it takes timing it's a great game i'm not real good at it to be honest with you i mean it's a I'm tough still, game yeah I'm, I'm not like i don't have as much time to game these days as i used to but if i'm gonna play a wrestling game on the current gen that's the one i sit down and play um i also had smackdown here comes the pain in my top five uh came out in 2002 the ps2 i just remember spending so much time on that game in the career mode yes career mode was really good it was a lot of customization um that was the first game I think that had legends in it in that series, which made it pretty memorable. And uh, so I got SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain, Fire Pro World, No, Mer- no Mercy, Revenge. And the other one, I'm going to throw a little curveball at you here. And some people really didn't like this game, but I liked it a lot. Legends of WrestleMania. <laughs> I think it came out in like 2009-ish. Yeah. I really liked that game. I mean, I'm I'm an old school fan. The nostalgia of the game, I thought it was cool how you could port over like the current guys into the game. Um, it was kind of cartoony looking, uh, but I just I had always thought of wouldn't it be cool if there was a game that was just all old school? And they actually did it, and I I enjoyed it. I played that game an awful lot, and uh, I really liked it. I had an honorable mentions. Um, WWF Raw came out in 94 on Super Nintendo. I played that game an awful lot. And looking back now, I mean, it doesn't hold a candle to, like, No Mercy and Revenge. But it was it was a fun game for the time. And uh, I really enjoyed it. WrestleMania 2000, obviously, uh, that came out before No Mercy. Similar games, uh, same developers. Mm-hmm. Uh, WWE 13 I liked a lot because of the Attitude oh, yeah. Era mode. That was a good one for like recent years. Yeah, good call on that. And uh, WWE 2K15 with the Austin Showcase mode. I enjoyed playing through that as well. Oh, yeah, they had the Hollywood Blonde thing going on with them. Mm hmm. Yeah. So it's, uh, there's a lot of good wrestling games over the years. In recent years, I do feel like they've been down, and uh, the reviews of 2K20 certainly illustrate that. So I had a question. Yeah. Um, have for Adrian, is there ever a game, wrestling or otherwise, that was as high profile and has been as critically panned as this new WWE game? Um, like, can you think of like something comparable where it's like, okay, like it's inexcusable for this to be shitty, and it's shitty. I, I honestly don't. I don't think so. Because as you go through the whole SmackDown thing between know your role, shut your mouth, here comes the pain, I feel like even if things got poor, they got better along the way. Maybe you could argue the Legends of Wrestling game before WrestleMania came out. Uh, maybe Actually, you know what? Maybe, maybe Thunder. Because oh, Nitro was yeah. the first release. And that mm-hmm. game was pretty funny because the character screen, they had the little taunts where they played the Nitro music in the background. And if you stay static when the characters select long enough, they turn around and do like their taunt. And, you know, Luger, you're going to get blah, blah, blah. I'm going to torture rack you and need flex. And <laughs> in the game, in order to do, it was like Attitude, right? They had WWF Attitude was the same way. If you wanted to do a stunner or a diamond cutter or a chart buster, it was like left, left, down, left, ABA, start, select, left, left. And that was the way you did it. 
So Thunder was the follow-up to that after Nitro's quote finger success. And Thunder wasn't as well received. But I think the difference is with these new games is that you're not dealing with a game that's a direct sequel to that game. You're dealing with a studio that has been dealing with WWE 2K license for quite some time now. That has been dealing with the NBA 2K franchise for quite some time. You have the helps of Ukes. You have this franchise where you're doing a year over year over year over year development. And as cool as it is to have new intros, new wrestlers, new moves, importance of the game, new DLC, and like you said, bringing in legends and having Rick Rude in there and great storylines, there are certain things that mechanically just are not sound. You can't have these things happening where the ropes shake by themselves, the wrestlers disappear into the mat. Like, I would sacrifice so many different options and layers of clothing and accuracies and theme music if the game functions as a way it should. It's a wrestling game. I think that's part of the problem is you have all this money, you have all these years of practice, and I feel like they're rushing themselves into a deadline instead of just saying, you know what, uh, we can't release the game we normally do, which is October, so we'll see you guys in April. And here's a video as to why we can't release it. Everyone gets a big laugh out of it, and the same video you see on Twitter right now is the same video they show saying this is why we can't release it yet. But I think due to the expectations and being a yearly release and you know stockholders being what they are, this is what happens. And it's unfortunate because now that taste is in your mouth so soon. I remember when a wrestling game came out two months later, I'm already looking forward to the ideas the next years. Right now, I'm not looking at WB2K21 you know, and thinking, oh, man, what if it has this? I'm still looking at this and wondering what happens next. Mm-hmm. That's, that's funny you mentioned the delay because uh, I was going to actually – it's not in my top five, but I did want to bring up uh, WWF Attitude because there's very few wrestling games over the years that I anticipated as much as that game. And I've heard this from other people too. Just reading the game magazines the summer of 99, I was like so amped for that game. And it had a long delay. I think it was supposed to come out like early in the summer and it ended up getting delayed till August. And I vividly remember like going on vacation with my my parents, my family at the time that July. And like I was calling back home to my local Toys R Us like on our calling <laughs> card checking on the release day like almost every day and that game got delayed like two months and it was for gameplay issues now the the rumor at the time was that it was because Owen Hart died and he was in the game and they're trying to decide what to do with that but I have a friend that worked for Acclaim uh, at the time and he told me that the Owen Hart, Owen Hart thing had nothing to do with it that the game was just broken and they had to fix it. And that's why it got delayed two months. Mm. So, I mean, they, that that is certainly something they could have done with this game. Um, obviously, they've been promoting it for months. But, you know, when you've been doing that, you've been talking about this game for six months. What is another month or two? And uh, also the graphics, you know, you look oh, at this man. game. You, you mentioned 2K and NBA 2K. I just bought the new NBA 2K because it's on sale on the PlayStation Store right now. Like, I'm going to jump on that on 33% off. NBA 2K, by the way, Adrian introduced me to that way back in, like, I think 2001 when you were oh, yeah. talking about the Dreamcast and everything. Uh, been a huge NBA 2K fan ever since then. So I got the new game, and that game is beautiful. And you compare that with 2K20 WWE, WWE 2K20 looks like last gen, if not yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Like, even when 2K NBA first came out on Dreamcast, it looked beautiful. 
And then later in the years, like 2006, there were moments where you could pause the game, go in replay mode, and I would just stare at the realistic models. It wasn't created equally. Some people like Steve Nash looked really weird with his hair, but some models just looked absolutely gorgeous. But if you look at WWE 2K20, like if you if you had this spreadsheet and said, who do you think this is? And you pointed to Candice LeRae, there's no one I could guess in my mind in the history of women's wrestling and say, I, I think it looks like I don't I, first year Beth Phoenix, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it looks nothing like her and I don't get it. Yeah. No, it's 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 real bad The the Bianca Belair entrance. On the gifts have been floating around on that, like with the hair physics, really bad. <laughs> Mandy Rose was even like mocking, yeah, uh, her look on the thing. <laughs> it's bad when like the talent feels comfortable enough to mock the game. That's when you know something's bad. <laughs> that the talent's like, you know what, fuck it, we're all in on ripping this game too. So I, I have only I was trying to count as you guys were talking the number of games I've actually played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually feel really cool that like what was the one wrestling game I enjoyed the most is widely considered number one. So that's cool. But th- there are two games I want to mention and what like the general consensus is because I would have no idea. So in college, my buddy had a PlayStation and he had WWE Smackdown. And I remember I was always Dean Malenko and he mm-hmm. was like he had all the cool moves. Any, I, I could win with him, actually. Is that, like, considered a reasonable game, or was that, like, shitty? This would have been released in, like, 2000, 2001-ish. Yeah, I didn't have a, a PlayStation 1. Adrian, you can probably comment on that better. Uh, I think the early SmackDown was really cool. I, I think that's the one where, instead of having a full-fledged entrance where they walk out and uh, have the ring in front of them and they do their thing on the ramp. That might have been the one where their entrance was just them walking in front of a video screen. And the oh, effects yeah. take place as they walk out but behind this big video screen. But the game itself was solid on PS1. I think for what, part of the reason you said, the, the moves. Yeah, I remember it was very easy. Like I was like, fuck yeah, man. I can use like Dean Malenko's got a good realistic move set, man. He does these moves. So I was yeah, fired up. You have one button finisher. Makes mm-hmm. life easier and accurate UI that shows you how many finishes you have. It was a nice own up to the generation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my deep dive special video game edition this week, Ryan. <laughs> this is a tr- I went over uh, the man one like this was like 98, I think. The manager of the Italian restaurant that I worked at at the time. He had a Sega Saturn and he Hell had yeah. an old Japan game for it and it, a- it actually had the real entrance music like dr death steve williams came out to i love it loud by kiss and like i didn't even care that i sucked so bad playing this video game i was so in awe that this thing existed what was that game that i played because i know i didn't make it up i remember just like jumping up and down like a child that you know you could be dr death and i love it loud would play i have no idea what the name of this game was at all. There I just were it was, a series of games like that. I think Virtual Pro Wrestling was a couple of them like that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I know that, like, literally, I mean, the classic All Japan 90s roster was on it. And I was like, this is unbelievable this exists. So, yeah, maybe it was. I was trying to, like, Google it. And, yeah, I'm seeing 
All Japan Pro Wrestling featuring Virtua is what came up. So I, yeah, I have they no had idea their own was. games. Yeah, they had like a giant Grim and Virtua Pro Wrestling. Those were All Japan games. Yeah, hmm. I, I just I just thought it was like the coolest thing that, you know, you could hear I love it loud because God did I love what Dr. Death ran out to that song. <laughs> Dude, I actually, I, I understand how you feel. There's a certain music with the wrestler mm-hmm. that when you hear it, it changes the entire way you watch the match from start to yeah. finish. Where they win or lose. Yeah. Like I watched all of New Japan Cup, and every time I couldn't hear Elevate It from Will Ospreay, it changed my entire mood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By yeah, the way, I can relate. I love yeah, it loud. Ahead. I love it loud, Ryan. Mm-hmm. One of Kiss's two good songs. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've bashed Kiss Kiss on the program before. Yeah. And both of their both of their good songs are on uh, Creatures of the Night, and both of them are wrestling related. That and War Machine, which oh, Taz, yeah. Taz used in ECW. Yeah, there you go. Right. Um, I put up a poll on our Twitter page earlier. Uh, what is the best pro wrestling video game? We've got 132 votes right now. And I put the four up that seemed to get... Earlier in the day, I, I asked people, what's your favorite wrestling games? And I kind of took the ones that the people mentioned the most. No Mercy running away with it with 61% of the vote. And then after that, we've got WCW Revenge with 26% of the vote. Uh, Fire Pro Wrestling World, the recent one, 11%. And then rounding it out, Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 had 2% of the vote. But those were the top four that I saw mentioned the most. And uh, yeah, three of those, Revenge, No Mercy, Virtual Pro Wrestling 2, same developer. So uh, yeah, I guess... They need to bring back the, uh, is it Aki or AKI? They need to bring them back, Adrian. Well, it works out well because as the game went on, there were certain nuances they added that, (laughs) I guess growing up, it was kind of cool and shocking. Like when you could do the Doomsday device, when you could put them on your shoulders and raise them up, to me, that was, I couldn't understand the fact that you could do that. When you can grab someone from the apron and then run them to the outside posts and have them collapse on the outside, that to me was revolutionary. It was groundbreaking when you could steal finishers. It added to the drama of the match, you know, like why wouldn't you have, you know, Chris Jericho putting Dean Malenko instead of Cloverleaf instead, but all those small things add up and it is simple. You, you turn your opponent down, whether they're crouched or not, you have a counter system. That's just counter grapples and counter strikes, light grapple, hard grapple, light strike, hard strike. It's just fun. Yeah. It's and it's easy again. It's easy for people to come in that haven't played wrestling games and kind of explain to them how to do it. And everyone had a blast. I know I was junior high, high school when that came out, and so many times, like on the weekends, me and a ton of dudes would play that game for hours and hours and hours. Even people that weren't really big wrestling fans. So uh, some of the other ones I, I I told people earlier, I would throw out the tweets on the show. So. Our good friend Liam, patron of the show, Liam O'Rourke, he threw out Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. Uh, no Mercy, Here Comes the Pain, WCW versus The World and Fire Pro Wrestling World. Uh, Revenge, like I said, got a ton of mentions from people, uh, as did No Mercy. Uh, a couple shout-outs to SmackDown 2, WWF Royal Rumble. Uh, what else? We've got someone mentioned 2K19 and 17. I'm guessing they're a newer fan. <laughs> <laughs> we got SmackDown versus Raw 2011, WWE 13, WWE 12. That was Brady. Um, I'm guessing a little younger, but uh, some of those games were pretty fun. The recent ones, though, I'm not as big of a fan of, I have to say. 
Uh, a lot of people mention NES Pro Wrestling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a classic for sure. Uh, let's see. WWF Day of Reckoning. <laughs> yeah. Dave, <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot about that game. Um, SmackDown vs. Raw 09. GameCube one, I think. Yeah, I think it was Day of Reckoning. In oh, fact, yeah, because you fight the security guards outside. Yeah, my little brother had a GameCube, and I think I actually bought that game. And uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't really have access to the GameCube, but like when I would go home, I would play that game. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm going to buy the game and I'm going to use your GameCube to play it. I like it because it took a risk on storylines, like the idea that you are supposed to be working the event, I think, but you can't. And so you're fired. And so you have to break back into the arena to earn your spot back, I think it was. <laughs> and so you could do the most absurd things. Like you could be. Kurt Angle and uh, Angle slam a security guard is trying to stop you. Yeah. And I felt like I was killing innocent people <laughs> by slamming them on concrete or near pallets by construction sites. Yeah. You know, that makes me think of WCW Backstage Assault, which was just an awful game. Really bad game. Really, really bad wrestling game. <laughs> <laughs> which has uh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> So where do we think the wrestling gaming industry stands today? I mean, if you're looking at the outlook of where we're going as wrestling fans, what, what do you think, Adrian? Where, where would you say it stands today? Are you positive on the outlook? Are you negative? What do you think about AEW potentially developing a game, uh, maybe a New Japan game? I know New Japan had the affiliation with Fire Pro, but uh, what, what do you think? I feel like, as with most things, if AEW does manage to get a contract with Aki, and create a game that it will force WWE to make their games better or take longer times. Because despite of all the things that I don't like about the current gen games, it is nice to have a story. The idea of being this uh, up-and-comer who has to go through the system or go through NXT and work their way in developmental and then show up on the main show and the hardships that you face along the way and the independent wrestling along the way. I like the idea that a story is being told. That's really fun. But then you look across the pond and then you have uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and their story mode is just it's like a romantic novel, almost RPG style mm -hmm. gaming where you kind of get I get taunted all the time backstage. I think uh, I was laughed at by Toriyanu way too many times just for <laughs> existing. Um, Yuji Nagata actually is who it was who laughed at me over and over and over again. So the storyline for me was kind of like, eh, but the gameplay is fantastic. So I think I want to be positive about where it can be, but I'm unhappy with where it is right now. Especially the fact that like it seems like every year, if we're talking like major brand WWE, every time that they release a game, I feel like the next week they change the entire show. The yeah. game's out now, and they already have a new Raw and SmackDown set. Right. Oh, already feels outdated. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I would agree. I mean, I think I think it's indicative of where the gaming culture is for wrestling gaming right now when I, I sent you the DM. So have you played WWE 2K20? Hell no. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you know, you're one of the biggest gamers I know. If you haven't played it, I mean, I know that it's, it's not good probably. But Fire Pro is a good game. I think if you're looking for, yeah, if you're looking for good gameplay in recent years, that's the one to check out for sure. And, I think uh, the thing is, is that I want it to be good. You know, like like any good wrestling fan, 
when things are bad, you want to be upset and you, you meme and you laugh about it and take your pot shots because at the end of the day, you want these games to be good because you want to replace your current library of games that you have with just this one game because you love wrestling. We all love wrestling. I love wrestling. I want to spend the majority of my time playing WWE 2K20. Right. And I can't. Yeah. Well said. Uh, we're going to head to the deep dive of the week. Adrian, you're a longtime wrestling fan. You want to stick around for this? Yeah, why not, man? Let's do it. All right, Kyle. That's wrestling games in a nutshell right now in 2019. So that means it is time for the I Kyle Ross. I found Sega Saturn game, by the way. Oh, what is it? Speaking oh? of deep dives, it is. It's featured virtual. Fucking Gary Albright was in this game. I want to play this game right now. <laughs> Head to eBay. Do it. Yeah. $32 for the Peer game. Peer pressure. He already looked it up. I love it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just, no. yeah, just looking at this. No, I love I it. S- I'm, I wanted to know what the game was. So. Guess what they screwed up, though? They have it. K. Kawada. Hmm, K. Uh, Kawada. Yeah, K. Kawada. Yeah, whoops. Oh, well. <laughs> well, I expect next week when we do the show that you have bought this. It's on the way to Cleveland, Ohio via eBay. <laughs> if that hasn't happened, I'm going to be vastly disappointed. I want a full review next week, Kyle. Okay. I love it loud. I'll, ven- I'll Venmo you the money. I'll, I'll I love Venmo it loud. you the paycheck. Still rocks when Dr. Death comes out. <laughs> All right. With that said, guys, it is time for the Kyle Ross I Love This Sport Deep Dive of the Week. Take it away, Kyle. Okay. So Survivor Series is rapidly approaching. And Ryan, do I have something for you and Justin? Because I'm me, guess what I'm working on? A spreadsheet. Yep. (laughs) Do you know what that spreadsheet includes? Greatest Survivor Series teams of all time. Oh, if it was only that simple. Mm. (laughs) We're going top 30 Survivor Series matches of all time. Oh, man. Wow. And we've already got. Um, the list pretty well done. I'm just kind of going through a few things. I'd actually done it with a buddy several years back. We, we'd gone through and, and picked some things out. I just kind of have to maybe, you know, just double check a few ones that maybe I haven't watched several times over just to see, you know, if the placement's right. But, um, you know, I feel pretty comfortable. I'm going to roll them out in the deep dive section in the coming weeks. I'll roll them out in, in tens, believe it or not. I think I think we're gonna have time to do that. Three weeks. I'm gonna roll out ten matches in each deep dive. How about that? Oh wow! <laughs> but uh, homework one, for the listeners. Yeah, yeah. And, and and if you're a patron, I was think well, I was gonna talk about this with you off air, but why not talk about it on air, huh? Um, you know, screw it. We're doing and, it live. Yeah, do it. fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, patrons will have. I'll I'll make the entire list accessible. You know, that they can just have it where they don't have to like write things down while they're listening and stuff All like right. that. So I'll make my spreadsheet accessible. But anyway, I bring this up because this week's deep dive, a little preview of that list, a match that's going to be on the back end. And I think it's really appropriate to share now because what a 2013 smorgasbord this thing is. And just listen to the names involved in this elimination match and what they're doing today. Okay, this match actually happened about six years ago. On one team, you had the Rhodes brothers, Cody and Dustin, teaming up with the Usos and Rey Mysterio. 
to take on the Shield and the Real Americans. <laughs> mm. I have no memory of this at all. Four of those people <laughs> are now in prime spots in AEW. Wow. The other six are still under contract for WWE. Two of them, uh, Seth and Roman, obviously feature performers. And who would have thought that in 2013 that Rey Mysterio would still be employed by the WWE? <laughs> so this, you know, to your point, Ryan, this is a match that not many people probably remember. Mm-hmm. It is something, and this is in the spirit of the deep dive of the week, should go out and check out because what this match looks to accomplish and successfully does is get Roman Reigns over with the audience. Hmm. And when Imagine you watch that. when you watch this match, and if, if you're objective about it, and you know, you, you just kind of put 2013 glass on, you're like, wow, it, it might seem like they have something with this guy. It was if the goal, and it was to get Roman Reigns over as a potential babyface in the future, you're like, yeah, this this was done well. I can see it. Oh, what was to come after that? Yeah, and, and keep in <laughs> mind, 2014, I, I talk about this, you know, with the Rumble. They took it up a notch with his performance in that match. Remember, everyone was crying that, you know, Batista eliminated him. Mm-hmm. Oh, how the things would change a year later. But it, I just think it is so fascinating to watch these names all in the ring together six years ago uh, under a WWE banner. It's just, you know, given obviously, you know, what Cody has gone on and done. Um, you know, again, you have, you know, Jake Hager's in the match as Jack Swagger. Um, you know, it, it's just what a what a world we live in that this match took place six years ago and that four of four of the guys are you know competing for a brand that didn't even exist yeah like i said i don't really have any memory of this match so i'm probably gonna have to pull it up in the network tonight when i am editing this podcast and and i just want to say one more thing i i didn't want to recommend it because i have not seen it yet but it goes without saying that i cannot wait to see it the david star Jordan Devlin match that people are just raving about. Yes. OTT. I mean, th- there are people whose opinion I really respect and that were there actually that said it was the greatest match they have ever seen live. Wow. Um, and, and the storyline that those guys told for those who had been following that feud it, it is just so refreshing. In 2019 wrestling, if you go back to the news segment, how we were lamenting how WWE is a promotion that doesn't even really even do storylines. Forget about mm. bad storylines. They don't even do storylines. Um, so for this to culminate um, as it did, I, I have very high expectations for it and cannot wait to watch it. You've been pretty high on OTT in the past. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of discussion on this match on Twitter as well. Yeah, look, I- I'm not sugarcoating it. It's not hyperbole. Am I prone to hyperbole? Sure I am. I'm not going to run from that accusation. But I would <laughs> absolutely fire Kevin Dunn and the WWE production team and hire the guys from OTT because they just simply make better video packages oh my on a God. small audit. It, it, it's, yes. it's almost laughable like how much better OTT is with the video packages. And granted, they have better stories to sell. But it's it's almost just 
jaw dropping that a promotion with that small of a budget relative to WWE could just do video packages that are 10, 20, 50 times better. Yeah. Well, I got two things on my playlist tonight as I edit this. So uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it here in the office tonight. Uh, Adrian, do you have any memories of that Survivor Series match? Because I really do not remember that one. I I sat here just with a question mark above my head because <laughs> all the names are familiar. But like every time I would think about the match, I thought about what you said. I thought about where they are now mm-hmm. or where they were later. And it was hard to picture them all in the ring. Like I remember Mysterio going over to New Japan the little small stint that he did. Yeah. And I I remember, oh yeah, there was a time when he was there with the Roe brothers and the Shield and all in one ring. But no, I don't recall that at all. Yeah, so so the Rhodes, that was during the period, if I remember, it was right around the time when they feuded with the authority. Right, to get their and, and uh, jobs it, back. Yeah, and it was really freaking good and inexplicably dropped because Dusty Rhodes won up Stephanie McMahon on the mic. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, heaven forbid that because, <laughs> well, first of all, like anyone would expect that not to happen. The arrogance of people thinking that Dusty Rhodes, like not even trying, could one up Stephanie McMahon on a live microphone, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> so you had, that's what the Rhodeses were doing. The Usos were still like with, they're kind of like neon find your face paint finding themselves as a baby face team. Ray had just come back and was on the verge of being released. That was kind of like his dot final days in the promotion. And then, you know, the shield was still a heel outfit, but would turn baby face in the coming months. And then, you know, the real Americans were had Zeb Coulter with them obviously and we're, and we're doing their thing and that was a few months before cesaro became a paul Heyman guy which went absolutely nowhere yeah oh yeah i remember that it happened yeah. for a little bit yeah oh 2013 <laughs> yeah it's you know it's not a blow away match um i'd probably go like three and a quarter three and a half 2013 um, you said yeah, Survivor Series 2013. It is a show, I believe it was headlined by Randy Orton Big Show, which I would not recommend to all. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Uh, this match, the one you recommended, was three and a half stars in The Observer. Looked it okay. up. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, like I, I like for my Survivor Series list, it's between 25 and 30 of the 30 greatest matches, just to put that in perspective. Yeah. This was this card, the show. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, this card also had Punk and Brian against the Wyatt family. Yeah, this was during the period, like, there was, maybe it was the show after, they both worked, like, handicap matches, mm-hmm. Punk and Brian. Uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, Punk was very much near the end of his run. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was going to say, this is a good spot, because this is right before, this is when the Shield was, like, red hot, untouchable. Mm-hmm. And months later, that was Elimination Chamber when they faced the Wyatt family in one of the oh. best matches I'd ever seen. Oh. And the Wyatt's won clean over I like this Untouchable guy. Shield. I like this guy. That was a clean <laughs> matchup. Like it was guy. beautiful. Oh. That was when, uh, I think it was Harper took the spear for Bray Wyatt, caught him Sister Abigail, and then as he was pinning Roman Reigns, he like mouthed off something and then just collapsed in the ground. And I was like, oh my God, that was beautiful. You could see the intensity, but then the exhaustion caught up when he realized they won and beat the shield. <laughs> you know, Meltzer only gave that match like four stars. What an embarrassment. What? Jesus. Yeah. 
That's there are people who think that's like a contender for WWE match of the decade. Yes, mm-hmm. it's really good. Mm-hmm. Two things, uh, Adrian. You just got the Kyle Ross stamp uh, of approval, so we're definitely going to have to have you back on the show. Uh, also, <laughs> also patron of the show, Tim was at that show, Elimination Chamber 2014, for that match. God, is that match so, so good? Yeah. So imagine, I imagine yeah. wanting to see a wrestling match under the WWE banner. <laughs> Imagine like being generally excited about it and it delivering. Yeah. I've kind of regretted not going to that show because it was in Minneapolis, February 2014. And like I said, my buddy Tim, who's a patron of the show, he was there. And uh, yeah, it was a great match. I should have gone. But uh, I I agree with both of your takes on that. Uh, Adrian? What's up? I think we got to have you back on the show, man. This was a lot of fun. I I'm I love learning new things like I forgot all about OTT and I was looking it up and it reminds me so much of progress wrestling. Oh, yeah. Which is where I first saw Jordan Devlin and I saw him in a match against Will Ospreay and it was a storyline of Will Ospreay comes back for just one match and he's arrogant and cocky. Meanwhile, Devlin's been busting his chops in progress. I mean, I remember one time there was a spot where Ospreay did a dive on the outside and then started flair walking across the crowd's laps. Like he was just strutting in their lap <laughs> and the entire match was fantastic. And when I see OTT, I get immediate progress vibes and I love progress wrestling. So I'll have to check it out. Oh yeah. I think, I think I was first turned on to progress through you, to be honest. Cause I think you were tweeting about it. And when I first started checking out progress, so yeah, this was before, well, when they first started getting into the talks with WWE, but no one really knew about it, but this is where you start seeing the highlight matches of a Volter and way back when when you had um, Jimmy Havoc and Haskins and Pete Dunne and his rise to the top it's really really good wrestling and Laura DiMatteo fantastic work there it's it's good stuff yeah well tell the listeners Adrian where they can find you go ahead and promote your stuff because uh, you were kind enough to come on the show tonight and I definitely recommend everyone check out your work with the video game industry for sure and I appreciate that I'm very thankful if you want to, you can find me on most socials, Twitter, Instagram, or what have you, as Okadrian, O-K-A-Y-D-R-I-A-N. You can also find me on twitch.tv forward slash Okadrian on there as well. Uh, stream five days a week. My schedule is follow me and I'll go live at some point. It's really hard to keep a consistent <laughs> schedule, but I am live every day. I do variety gaming. I mean, last year I streamed 92 games. This year I'm at 68, I think. I just like to touch yeah. on different things and understand. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into games. And I try to do an even split of indie games and AAA titles. I mean, the last two years, my favorite games have been indie titles. Last year was Rain World. The year before that, I was Tacoma. So much like wrestling, I believe there's more than just what you see in front of you. There's going out and finding other games as well that could benefit from more eyes on them and understanding how great they are. So you can find me on those stages. Uh, you can also walk into your local GameStop TV at uh, the United States. Go into a store, look on the TV set, and you'll hear me. And you can groan or you can wave or do what makes you happy. And I have some other endeavors I'm doing in the future. So, you know, just keep your eyes open and ears to the ground on Twitch. And you might be surprised where you'll see me. <laughs> you can say, I heard that guy on Top Rope Nation. That's Exactly. <laughs> it's bad takes on wrestling games. <laughs> Liking four-star matches. 
<laughs> no, seriously, guys, though, yeah, if you're if you're a gamer, check out his Twitch channel. It's awesome. If I ever have any questions about gaming in general, this is the guy I go to. He, he's got a great mind for the industry. He does a great, great stream all the time. Worth checking out. Really appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, hopefully we can get back on again. I would love to, and thank you both for being so kind and allowing me the chance to come on here and talk, 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 talk. Absolutely. And uh, guys, as I said at the beginning of the show, uh, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. Until the end of the day on October 31st, you sign up for the show's uh, bonus content this month. You get a free t-shirt courtesy of Pro Wrestling Tees, a soft style, high quality t-shirt, the Top Rope Nation established in 2016 t-shirt. You can check it out. At ProWrestlingTees.com slash Top Rope Nation. It's 25 bucks on there for the soft style. You can get it for $5 if you, sh- if you just sign up for our Patreon page. You get the bonus content, Top Rope Nation Classics, Top, no- Top Rope Nation Extra, our uh, bonus shows we do only over on Patreon. And, of course, if you enjoyed the show tonight, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. You can find us on Twitter at Top Rope Nation. We're on Instagram, Facebook as well. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Droste. That's D-R-O-S-T-E. And Kyle Ross is over at at TRP Kyle. Any parting words tonight, Kyle? WWE is not a very good promotion. <laughs> it's a little bit of a negative discussion we had early in the show, but hey, this this video game discussion was awesome. Yeah. I love hey, it. I did I do want to ask one quick question. Yeah. Uh Kyle, are you a fan of the the NXT UK product? It's like Okay, I mean obviously like everyone else, I loved Walter and Tyler Bate. Right. But Week to week, I don't know. It's not. I don't find it particularly interesting, to be honest with you. That's fair. Like the 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 Raw and SmackDown trickle down effect through the entire promotion, at, at the negative trickle down effect, just to state the obvious, is very real. You know, we're gonna we talked about the Finn Balor turn, and just you know, I can't even get excited about that anymore so i mean it's okay it has its moments it produces good matches but as far as like week-to-week television i don't find it particularly enthralling i can agree with that just when your comment about wwe not being a good product i'm like what do we think about this because i feel the exact same way i don't go out of my way to really look forward to it every week but every now and then when there's a uk based pay-per-view on i watch it i'm like wow that was really good i can't wait to probably not watch it i guess on wednesday yeah, it just, you know, it's okay. You know, believe it or not, there have been decades of wrestling where people didn't just obsessively watch everything. They would just watch the big stuff. That's okay. Like, but you shouldn't feel like less of a person or a fan if you don't watch the, the smaller stuff. I just think that, um, you know, we're not going to get stuff like Walter and Tyler Bate on a regular basis from that promotion. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel pretty much the same way. There's just so much content out there. It's it's hard to watch the weekly TV, but I always check out the takeover shows and love the last NXT UK. Yeah, it was a home show. run. Yeah, it was really good. we raved about it on the show. It was it was great, but yeah, it's just so hard to keep up with everything. 
Um, but we're, we're both really high on AEW at the time. It's funny that Kyle's been so negative on WWE because at one point people criticized our show for being too positive on WWE. But <laughs> man, it has gotten so bad in recent months that it was hard after being off three weeks not to uh, not to go negative. And well, we something... apologize if you didn't enjoy that, guys. But uh, I mean, we had to be real with you. <laughs> yeah, something no one's ever criticized this show for is not being objective. In my opinion. That's hey, true. there you go. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. we're fair objective Calls across the board it. you know that's right i mean <laughs> well thank you gentlemen i appreciate yeah. that mm-hmm. yeah all right guys so again thanks to adrian check out his twitch page check us all out on social media check out the full archive topropenation.com and again that patreon page sign up for five bucks get your free t-shirt in the mail we will check you guys next week with episode 121 have a good weekend